0: For the week of January 24th, 2022, this is the Book of Boba Fett TV Talk from Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Book of Boba Fett Disney Plus episode. Today, we are reviewing the fourth chapter of the Book of Boba Fett, The Gathering Storm in which Boba Fett is reminded of a time when he saved Finnick Shan from her untimely doom, which provides explanation for his willingness to employ the mods and shows audience the full transition from the merciless bounty hunter we knew from the 1980s and into the merciful man of honor, Boba, we
1: see in 2022. Dave, what did you think of this episode? I'm liking the flashbacks right now more than I'm liking the modern present day stuff it's just they appeal to me more but still a good episode regardless i just think they decided they need to focus in one place and right now they've picked uh, the flashbacks giving them i think a little bit more interest
0: well and i think that they've you know up to this point really served this purpose i mean the dialogue from this show at least was Mm kind of comparing like what we thought Boba Fett was before the show. And now we kind of get this transition into what he is. And we kind of see explanation for that. We saw that the sand people obviously saved him, made him one of his own. Um, So he's kind of this foundling twice over. And then, of course, we see uh, just their willingness to save him, which obviously influences his willingness to save Finnick from uh, Mandalorian season one. But let's dive right into this. So we have, you know, the hot tub time machine flashback type of thing going on. Um, And we see that after Bubba lays the Tuskins to rest, he comes across the fallen uh, Finnick from Mando season one. And I like that they used that footage that we saw at the Mm -hmm. end of Mando season one where we were just kind of like, oh, who's saving her? Who is this? And there was all this kind of speculation going on about that and it's the same footage that uh that we see from season one of Mandalorian
1: yeah yeah I was I recognized it right away and I like the fact that they uh were able to get it in such a way that uh when they filmed the the parts of course that weren't in there like when Boba sees the flashes from uh Mando and what's his name's race across the dunes when they're fleeing Fennec herself and uh or going after her, I should say, because they were, I remember, now that I think about it, that episode, they were chasing her down as a bounty, not uh, running away from her. But, uh, yeah, it was nice to see, you know, Flash, and then Boba's perspective, Flash, Flash, just like, it was perfect timing. As soon as I said, I go, oh, I know where we're at in the timeline.
0: Yeah, and it kind of catches us up perfectly um where we are and so i don't know we might be done with these flashbacks there's not much more to show us um you know maybe a couple of weeks in between here but um as of right now at least the timeline is getting caught up and i it also poses uh the explanation or not even a question so i guess it it provides an explanation to these modified humans that we have um And he takes Finnick to this mod parlor where last week there was all that controversy with the speeders and the, Mm -hmm. you know, the modified humans that, you know, of course, had social media going on a heyday, but it provides some sort of explanation that Jon Favreau at least has had this going for a while. I mean, obviously these are the people like we should have seen it coming. These were the people that Mm say, you know, Finnick to begin with. Um, But he's been thinking about it at least. So at least Favreau has been thinking about these type of characters, what they were doing on Tatooine for a couple of years now, um, which provides even more, like maybe he had more of this season written uh, before he was tasked with writing it. Like this is again, something that goes back to, he's been wanting to write a Boba Fett series for a while. um, And he got Mandalorian first. So, I don't know. This might be one of those things where he may have had this in his back pocket before he started film Mandalorian.
1: Yeah, he, he may very well may have, and, and you're right. It it just it, the way he's fit the series together, it, it speaks to an overall story that was prepared at the very least in his head prior to getting the Mandalorian series, because I believe when we first started this, you mentioned that he'd been wanting, and you keep mentioning it, he'd been wanting to do this Boba Fett series, like, forever. It was it was the prime reason he was going through Lucasfilm and all all that good stuff, and when Disney Plus uh, announced they were going to do Star Wars stuff, that it was his first pitch. So I would not be surprised, if, Ed, maybe not if he didn't have the script totally done. He had the whole story arc in his head, this is what's going to happen. This bounty hunter is going to find this assassin and they're going to get fixed up by droid people and maybe something general like that. But he definitely had to have that in his head somewhere before he he got the show uh, greenlit because it's still flowing too well. Too It's too polished to be something that right. he just came up with for that episode.
0: And it's, it's too connected to everything else. Like, I mean, this is something where we saw Finnick for the first time, you know what? That was too... Two three years ago, like this was this wasn't yesterday that we saw yeah, Mandalorian yeah. season one. Like this has been a while, and the uh, and obviously we knew that she was coming back uh, before Mando season two because of that. You know that cutscene where we see the person walking up to her body, um, yeah. but also what this episode did with this mod parlor. For some reason, this felt more natural. Um, and makes last week's characters feel more natural. I don't know if, if other people who... Because I, I don't want to say that it didn't feel like Star Wars because that's a loose interpretation. Star Wars is a galaxy. Yeah. Of course, you're going to have weird individuals and steampunky people across all uh, all of this. But it was just kind of the timeline in Tatooine. They felt slightly off the colorful bikes. It felt very much inspired by 1970s, 1950s, 1960s type of stuff. But uh, it didn't really fit in my mind and like I saw the criticism there it uh, it wasn't a huge deal because it's Star Wars and let's be honest Star Wars is ridiculous and if you don't think yep. Star Wars is ridiculous you're probably going to hate Star Wars because you won't be in on the joke or in on the thing it's like we're not supposed to be taking this too seriously just serious enough to where we can enjoy this space opera oh, yeah. the genre itself is kind of a joke like a space opera like What the heck? Like this is you know the stuff that in the 1920s people were uh, being theoretical about where we were going to be in the future, all that fun stuff. But for some reason, I I guess the way they approached it—that the this is a parlor and kind of this back alley of Tatooine—it felt like it fit in Tatooine, which then in turn makes last episode more fitting in Tatooine. That this is kind of a you know these hipster kids in this desert planet that are trying to make their way in uh, Tatooine first, but maybe try to get off. Maybe they're aspiring like Luke was, and they want to they leave the planet. I don't know. But it made them fit a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I, I do agree. It did make them fit a little bit better. Maybe something that would have fixed it for people is, is if the flashbacks would have matched up with uh, – when they were, when they like, it just introduced it all in the same episode—the flashback where he's taking Finnick to the mod parlor with the mods—all in one episode—that might have smoothed things out for for people. Uh, that that's my take on that. And just like I said last week, I didn't really have a problem with them, but uh, it does fit a lot smoother now that you know the backstory as to how Boba met up with these type of people the first time. And you, like you said, they've always been there in the back in the. And the shady part of Tantooine where you don't quite know what's going on, that it, it, just, it, it, just, it just feels more right.
0: And of course, they're the reason that Finnick is a modified individual herself. And she, they uh, saved her, more or less, even though this isn't the same exact group that we saw in this flashback. This kind of poses an explanation that he at least knows that these individuals are skilled before he meets them, which is why he's so quick to give them a job when he first meets them in last week's episode. So kind of just enough, like not even explicit narrative, but a lot of these implicit uh, cues and clues as to why we are in the modern day the way that we are. Um, And then we kind of have this relationship with Boba and Finnick, and we see how it it becomes the relationship that we see them in Mando season two. And she agrees to help retrieve Uh, Boba Fett's ship from Jabba's palace and basically you know this will help pay off my debt if I do this I'm no longer in debt to you and Boba hasn't even mentioned anything about a debt like she's just kind of understanding like okay like warrior I guess I just have to work this off like there's some sort of moral conviction within herself that is causing her to um, work with Boba Um, and then we quickly get this To me, it's very significant to where this character of Boba Fett is when he releases this Bantha. Like, this is a full-on transition. He has now adopted the ways, uh, at least some of them, and adopted the culture of the Sand People at his own um, intrinsic value because he releases this Bantha when he no longer has a need for it. He's no longer just using resources until they run out. He's lost the need for this Bantha time for you to be free which to me is like that final transition into okay i now understand who this version of boba fett is
1: yeah and uh while he is more morally centered he's still not the nicest guy in the world as he proves once he gets uh, the slave one back Mm -hmm. i mean yeah he let his mantha friend go and it was quite obviously that the uh, the Bantha and uh, Boba were friends throughout this whole ordeal that they were going through together. And You see that also when he gets to Sarlacc uh, a couple episodes ago, that Boba is an animal person, something yep. you didn't quite uh, ever see coming. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, the transition is complete, but to say he's completely different... That complaint, I've I've seen it a little bit this week from people that they're still going on about that. Some of them, they're, they're really dedicated to the cause ones, I think. But he is not just a, a nice guy now. He is still the old Boba Fett, and he proves it, like, just a few scenes from now.
0: Absolutely, and this is where we kind of get this. Uh, he's going to go and get his ship and blast through anyone that's there. I mean, this is a territory up for grabs. Like, these could just... Um, Obviously, their own version of bounty hunters or thugs or scum um, and villainy um, in Jabba's palace. But we see he kind of goes in. And this is also, in my view, a highlight of what Finnick can do. Like, if you haven't been paying attention the last few years in Star Wars uh, canon, um, how resourceful and how uh, effective... Finnick is this is one that shows you just how resourceful and effective she is because she kind of takes the brunt of the work on herself like she gets to a point where she get tells Boba like you get on the ship you get it re- in position and I'll hold everyone else off um and of course is setting up for some sort of you know penultimate ultimate episode where we get to see you know Boba's team of gangsters go up against the Pikes. Like, I'm getting real excited
1: thinking about the next two episodes here. Yeah, I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. And I, I'm, I really, I'm also interested in what's going to happen with the flashbacks. If, if your is right, if they're going to uh, just cut them out at this point because they're not necessary, or we're going to get two battles with the Pikes. One happened in the past, and one happened simultaneously in the present day.
0: Yeah, and when, this is something where he has some scores to settle, right? Like he tells Finnick Mm -hmm. as soon as he gets, you know, his ship back that he's got some scores to settle. Obviously the first one on his way, he takes out the, uh, the, that biker gang that, um, you know, massacred his village of Tuscans. We haven't seen the end of them either. I mean, there was a low body count from what we saw. Um, none of those, uh, you know, just basically, I think the chief was the only one that was shown, that was confirmed being dead like the kid and maybe the uh, his trainer got out. And so maybe we see that um, coming up in future episodes and maybe they're kind of this, uh, you know, uh, battle of the bastards last, uh, you know, last moment comes in and saves the day type of scene where the Tuscans come in. But he does. He settles the score with those bikers and then he settles the score with the Sarlacc itself because he wants his armor back. Obviously, he was a little loopy from just barely surviving the acid and his own flames when he got out of the Sarlacc that he doesn't remember uh, getting his armor out, I guess, because he thinks it's still down there in the Sarlacc pit.
1: Yeah, that was an odd detail to throw out there that that he doesn't remember the armor coming out with him because he was still wearing the armor when he got out of the uh, sarlacc pit. So something in that, something down there in that uh, in that creature must meddle with your mind, because well, and
0: we, yeah, and we kind of see that like when he wakes up and he's kind of he, you know he's not really hallucinating, but his vision is all off whenever he uh, mm-hmm. sees the stormtrooper and goes and. Gets an extra dose of some oxygen before he
1: starts his venture out. Yeah. Yeah. The rebreather. Yeah. So it, it fits that he doesn't remember it, but it it's also a little strange that he would wouldn't remember it, too, because he might be a clone of Mandalorian, but they're tied to that armor. So he would have at least had a feeling that maybe it got out with him. Like he wouldn't have left it behind no matter what state of state of mind he was in, because that's just the Mandalorian way. He'd had to been dead or very close to it to even let it go. So we have to assume that was exactly where he was. And that seemed to be from what's happened throughout the entire series, where he was at that time. Yeah. And
0: obviously we know how that story ends and how he gets his armor back. Uh, But, There's still a little bit, uh, you know, more to that where he knows that he can't take this throne without his armor. He knows that, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. a Mandalorian can go as far as their armor goes. And he, if he's going to go to war, he needs that Beskar. And we have seen, this is like the other great thing that two seasons of Mandalorian has done for us. Mm -hmm. Like we have seen the effectiveness of Beskar and the fact that the... first two seasons are kind of centered around the Mandalorian likes getting paid in Beskar so he can build up his armor and become more effective. And then there's a Beskar spear that, uh, you know, he uses to defeat um, Moff Gideon with the Darksaber. Like, all these kind of details that are like, oh, yeah, yeah, if I were Boba Fett, I would be, uh, I would not challenge, you know,
1: Moss Espo without that Beskar armor. Oh, absolutely not. That stuff has been proven too valuable and too good against practically anything uh, including sarlacc stomach acid so of course he he would he would want that it's it's his ultimate weapon as an individual fighter it's it's his Excalibur
0: yeah and I think that's the best way to say it it's his Excalibur like this is something where it is a symbol of his rule and kind of in a weird way, like his right to rule. Like it's his, Mm -hmm. uh, it it shows who his people are. Like I would be curious to see if he adds something in there that represents the sand people. Like we saw where uh, Din Djarin kind of gets the mud horn um, uh, branded on his best car. Like it'd be interesting to see if this occurs because we'll get to it in a moment, but we know that uh, Din Djarin's coming back and I didn't think he was going to come back for the book of Boba Fett, but he is coming back for the book of Boba Fett. There's a big hint there, but before we dive into that, let's just jump right into the modern stuff. So when, and this is kind of another reason that I think that we might be done with the flashbacks where, when Bubba gets out, the droid just like, congratulations, you've been completely healed. And so now he's kind of lost the need to go in the hot tub time machine. Maybe, you know, the penultimate episode, he gets injured and he has to go back in it. There are a number of different ways to keep that uh, that format going. But maybe they're going to spend some more time on some of these, these fight things that are coming up in the coming episodes. But he's completely healed. Um, and this is kind of a cool thing where we have seen the makeup... Um, from the makeup department in this show change um of course we see him in mandalorian season two where he is still severely scarred and then in this season those scars have slowly started to go away and he's started to get some color back and now it's just like the you know the more permanent scars are what's left
1: yeah, yeah, the the scars that he probably had prior to going into the into the Sarlacc from other battles and whatnot that that had already been healed to the point where they're not going to be reversible. Um, but that, that's that's cool. That that's what made, that's part of the reason that that uh, this transition is going to work because he's got the scars from the, from the old days. And uh, even Fennec when she comes in on that scene goes, and how about the scars on the inside? Well, they take a little bit longer to heal. And he's dealing with a lot of
0: scars. Like I don't think he's oh, yeah. been uh, led astray by his scars that he has felt from his dad and being left alone on Camino for so long. I mean, we've seen that where the young Boba is kind of running to the window, like chasing uh, the ship. We then, of course, see him on uh, Geonosis where he's holding the severed head of his father. Like all these type of things. Like this could hint that like he's still not down. With the jedi and we Yeah, it's a lot of stuff going on there like i don't know if they're planning on having him cross paths with obi-wan again in the future but um obviously it would be flashbacky because unless he wants to run into a ghost but you know who knows what they do with uh obi-wan how many flashbacks will be integrated in that and then of course um since this is dealing with a, or at least we're led to assume that it's dealing with Obi-Wan in the time between episode three and four. So, you know, maybe they do run into each other. Maybe that's some more flashbacks that go into a different, um, you know, a different show, but a lot of speculation there. But yeah, you're right. This is, he is a new and improved Boba Fett, but those scars on the inside are not gone. And I don't think
1: you missed that hint that Finnick was was saying there. No, not at all. Yeah, and as far as the Jedi thing goes, maybe he will show up in a flashback of uh, Obi Wan or or since Obi Wan like this early series earlier in the series, we'll see him. He's still in the employ of Boba or Bo- Boba Fett, right? Still in the employ of himself. I meant Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> but uh, the other possibility for that, just some speculation on my own part, is maybe as I know they're getting ready to do Ahsoka, maybe. We'll get present Boba running into Ahsoka Tano on her quest to whatever go we'll do whatever she's going to be doing in her series. Whether it be going to find Th- Thrawn or maybe even Bridger from uh, the Rebels. Just some minor speculation on my part there, but it could be anything. But I, if they do run into Jedi-like, he does run into Jedi-like uh, people, I think you're right he's probably not going to be still too happy with anybody who can use the force and a lightsaber.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, he witnessed them, even though he was a child and Django was, uh, definitely far more, uh, morally compromised than bubble was, at least from what we saw. Uh, he still saw his father get murdered by a Mace Windu and, you know, there's, there might still be some bad blood there. Um, uh, but, going back to where he is on Java's throne, he's starting to prepare this last score that needs to be settled in his mind. Like, and it's just a coincidence. Like the one threat that is coming to his throne is coming from the Pikes and it's the last score to be settled because of course the Pikes were, uh, indirectly responsible for the, uh, the massacre of the Tuscans. And he's kind of warning these other territories. Like he doesn't expect them to help fight, but he's just like, if you're not going to fight with me, don't join them. That's Mm -hmm. where we are. Like, if you don't want to, uh, if you don't want to acknowledge my rule here, whatever, we can deal with that on our own, uh, on our own terms. But as of right now, until the pikes are out of the picture, don't mess with me, man.
1: Yeah. And it's a good offer when they think about it and they all agree to it because they know it's a good offer. Cause like, like, like Boba said to Fennec, when they're standing there on the balcony, talking about things, they, they, they're going to act in their own best interest. And right now their own best interest is to keep the pikes in our territory and let us deal with them because they know if they defeat me, they're coming through and they're taking over the entire planet. That that's just who the pikes are. And uh, sure, sure. They've all made some money off the spice trade, but for everything I've ever seen in Star Wars about the Pikes since they've been introduced, the Pikes are not going to be happy with just, you know, not making a little bit off Tantooine. They're going to want the whole enchilada.
0: Yeah, they want, they want to curve the entire market that they have to offer. And this is kind of their economic stance and their uh, good old. Uh, let's take over everything type of mentality. And of course, they're fearful that uh, they're going to lose out on their own resources. I mean, this is why they carry water around everywhere. They're water dwellers. They understand that Tatooine was at one point a water planet. So, you know, they're kind of moving around and they're in their own, you know, climate crisis of their own where they're basically like, we need to have as much resources as we can. So there's that kind of thing going on with them as well. But this causes Boba Fett to start building his team of Avengers, if you will, these Space Avengers where he goes. And, of course, he goes and offers Chris Santon a job where we see, uh, you know, a nice little 30-second highlight of what Chris Santon can do in the live action where he is just, uh, you know, going through this team here in the casino. And his electric brass knuckles, they're the real deal.
1: Oh, yeah. Those things are what can you say about them there? They're electrified, they're they're pointy. They look badass. I mean, they're great. His whole his whole look's great. I mean, I haven't seen the comics, but if he was drawn like that in the comics, it'd be something I'd want to read down the road if if I can get a hold of hold of it digitally or whatever. But uh yeah, as far as I was a little bit surprised really that they uh, offered they put him put him in like just the episode right after uh Trying to kill Boba, Boba's offering him a job. That was was a little bit of of a surprise. I mean, I think he's going to make a good addition, don't get me wrong. But it was a bit surprising.
0: Yeah, and we've seen, you know, of course, Chewbacca, the first Wookiee we have ever seen. Um, And then in episode three, we have Tarful introduced. And Tarful was a bit larger than Chewbacca, kind of showing just, you know, why he's the leader of... uh, You know, the Wookiees on Kashyyyk Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of speaking to at least being a military leader, why he's um, at that level. I know we haven't seen these three side by side in live action, but from my point of view, it looks like Chris Anton is quite a bit larger than both of them. And it looks like a lot of muscle going on there, a lot of strength, a lot of rage. This uh, just the way that this actor is purely acting with their eyes and portraying the mm-hmm. level of curiosity and rage and all these different things like hats off. And I need to look at who this actor is because it truly is a performance within itself.
1: Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if I learned down the road that the actor per- portraying Kristantan uh, went back and, um, you know, study the footage of Chewie from the from the first three films is the guy who played Chewie did a lot of the same type of movements with his eyes and all, almost all the acting the ad, that actor did was the same as this guy's mm-hmm. it was all through the eyes, which is as a drama student and back in my high school days, very difficult to do, especially when you got, you know, animal hair all over you. I mean, he yeah, did and- an excellent job.
0: And they say, you know, a lot of the acting schools, basically the hardest thing to do is nothing. Um, And that's kind of speaking to just facial expressions and uh, movement with the eyes. And this actor is nailing every point of that because this is all, you know, no dialogue, obviously. And, you know, he may or may not be contributing to some of the roars like this is this is an incredible performance. But the last thing. That this episode ends on, which is incredible, is obviously Finnick is kind of talking to her buddy, Boba, and saying, hey, you know, we need some credits, and credits can buy some muscle. And as soon as she Mm -hmm. says that line, we have the Mandalorian theme, come on, this is not a coincidence. Like, this is something, if this is a coincidence, this is the biggest, you know, uh, fan block, the biggest Mando block that we have ever witnessed. Because if you make a line like that and then you play the Mandalorian theme and Din Djarin does not come into this season of the Book of Boba Fett, that is just a terrible tease. These writers deserve to be punished for it. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that we're getting Din Djarin in the Book of Boba Fett, at least in the season finale, at the least in that final fight, or something of that matter, because this is building up to be quite the interesting storyline here. There was a lot of speculation oh, yeah. on what where Mando season three was going. And there was a lot of speculation about how happy or unhappy uh, Pedro Pascal was with the role. Obviously, he's happy about it. Obviously, he's a huge fan of this character. And obviously, he's coming back. And he may not you know, physically come back for this series, but we'll hear his voice. We'll see at least some sort of um, actor... Do the movements, but we're getting this character in the Book of Boba Fett, which may contribute to a Mandalorian Season 3 storyline. I mean, what do you think about what's going on here?
1: Hmm. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's about all I can say about it. I, I don't really have much in the way of speculation. Um, I did catch the Mando theme, so I, I'm in full agreement. You can't do that. You can't, you know play that theme with that line and not expect Mando to show up in some capacity over the next couple of episodes. Um, whether it be Pedro Pascal, like you said, who knows? Um, but I am of the opinion. I will believe it when I see it. I am very hopeful that they don't go and go up oh, bait and switch. We're not giving you Mando. We're going to give you this person from that series. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be just about as bad. If... Uh, as excluding somebody from the Mandalorian altogether. Um, But yeah, I would hope for Pedro's character, maybe even Pedro himself. Who knows? That will will be the thing. But again, this is going to be one I'll believe when I see.
0: Yeah, they're at least putting together some sort of team, and so we can speculate as to whether or not Bosk is going to be a part of that. Whoever you know, the this gang of bounty hunters is going to be. Maybe we get more uh, Mandalorians. Maybe some of the uh, Mando's underground team that that we saw yep. introduced. Maybe that's who he sends them to. Maybe he's so busy on his current mission that he just kind of you know redirects the call for Boba Fett and it's like, hey, I know some people. Talk to them about it. You know, maybe it's the classic, you know, uh, what they did with Maz in episode eight, where we think we're getting yeah. Maz and she's just like, no, actually go find this guy. I'm a little busy. So regardless, I think that there's some sort of thing going on there. Other than that, Dave, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode?
1: Um, biggest takeaway from this episode. Again, it's another one of those ones where there's a lot of stuff that you, you want to just put into your final thought is it's, there's there's this. This is the thing I like about these series that are that are smaller, like uh, the Mando and Book of Boba Fett. You're getting a lot of stuff real quick. It makes the rewatchability infinitely better than like a, the way series used to be produced before we had uh, on-demand watching and things like that. Um, <clears throat> again, it's I'm just going to go back to something I said uh, a couple episodes ago. Don't expect anything. Question everything. You know, watch the show, find the Easter eggs. But if if you're expecting one thing, maybe you should think it might be going in another direction. You know, curb your expectations. It's uh, it's going to be a wild ride, no matter how it goes. And we we can sit here and talk, but uh, we're not going to be able to figure it out until it actually happens. We might call some and, things right, but absolutely.
0: And you can keep up with the show on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk, and by emailing us at hello at starwarsTVTalk You can find the rest of our shows online at starwarsTVTalk dot by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a five
1: star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thank you so much for listening, and may the force be with you always.